Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the off-camera poltergeist haunting Mangum Reads. We are three bungles who, like, for real, have a lot of questions about a lot of things happening in the background of this chapter. My name is Sarah. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? Having about as many questions as you predict I would have. Uh, I've got, like, four times. I've got some questions to the point of having to edit down my questions for the sake of time. That's interesting, because with a lot of these things... I lose questions uh, when these things happen because I'm like, oh, okay, that's a plot point. So, and also I have some theories as to what's going on. So I'm not curious about it in the same way. I actively edit my questions to avoid Sarah kind of looking at me smirking and say, well, that's a really good question. Just try to avoid (laughs) that in advance. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there are four in the background narratives of just like people I would like to be following around in this chapter that I like maybe specific questions get answered, but like that doesn't sate my curiosity on these points. <laughs> there, there's some straight up fun wheels within wheels that are starting to go on in the story. And it's fun to try to unpack or even just theorize about what actually is occurring. So we are in the 14th chapter of the I fifth book of so. Harry Potter, uh, Percy and Padfoot or Padfoot and Percy. I don't, you were right the first time. Okay. Um, and we have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid-fire recap, uh, BJ's Wizard Wheezes, Newbie's Notes with Spencer. We award house points, and then there are questions and queries, although it sounds like at least one of you won't have any for this chapter, so, you know. <laughs> that has never proven true. Good for me. <laughs> uh, well, Sarah, in terms of the recap, this is a this is a long and fairly tense chapter, but it almost depends on... How much do you want to spend time with, like, Ron sucking at Quidditch or some very extended conversations? Passing mention. Passing mention we're going to go Passing with. Passing mention. <laughs> um, but it D- is... Do you have a goal? Yeah, I'm going to... Um, I'll put a bet on, but it's going to be the bet that's sort of boring. I'm going to do 155. I think it is a long chapter, um, but I think we can get it get through it pretty quickly. Um, I'm disappointed in my performance on the last chapter, so we're going to see if we can do it, get it back on the rails here. Do you have your stopwatch ready? I, I do. I have not lost it yet. Well, I, you know, BJ sent me 12 of them, so it wouldn't matter much if I did, but it is ready whenever you are. It's finally the weekend, and Harry heads to the common room where he notices Hermione's elf hats are all gone. Wondering whether the elves that found them had been set free, he writes a coded letter to Sirius about Umbridge and Hagrid before heading to the Owlery. Cho Chang comes in, and they have a stilted conversation until Harry's detention comes up. Cho's furious about Umbridge and the lies she's spreading about Cedric. She also calls Harry brave. Filch makes an appearance claiming Harry's sending out for a massive order of dung bombs. Cho comes to Harry's defense, and they part ways with Harry on cloud nine. At breakfast, Hermione's reading the Daily Prophet, which has a troublingly accurate tip on where Sirius is, as well as a story about uh, Order member Sturgis Podmore being arrested for trespass at the Ministry. Maybe he was lured to the Ministry as a setup? Harry and Ron beg off homework to practice Quidditch, and then head to the real training session after lunch, where the Slytherin team team is waiting to jeer throughout the practice. This is not good for Ron, who's a disaster throughout the session. 
Katie gets hit by a quaffle Ron threw, and her nose starts bleeding. Fred gives her something to stop it, but it just gets worse throughout practice. Fred and George take her to the hospital wing, and uh, practice disbands with Ron in a foul mood. They spend all Sunday on homework, which helps no one's mood. Ron and Hermione are gearing up for a fight when Hermie shows up at the window with a letter from Percy, who of course loves that Ron is a prefect, and spends the rest of the letter warning Ron away from Harry and Dumbledore, who he insinuates may not be headmaster much longer. He also helpfully suggests that Ron do everything in his power to help Umbridge before lambasting their parents. Ron is disgusted, and his reaction seems to have softened, softened Hermione, who agrees to look over their homework. While they wait into the night, Harry staring into the fireplace, he catches sight of Sirius's head. He's been popping in and out every hour to check if the coast is clear. He got the letter and doesn't think Harry's scar is hurting. Harry's scar hurting is something to worry about and lets slip just how nasty Umbridge really is. Also, her non-teaching is specifically because Fudge is scared of Hogwarts students being trained in combat and forming a wizard army against the Ministry. Hagrid's probably fine, but don't ask questions. And Sirius isn't worried about the Ministry's guesswork on where he is. He's disappointed Harry won't meet up, meet him in Hogsmeade, and he pops out of the fire. Pretty much dead on. I mean, Woo! 0.3 milliseconds off. I We're, we're awesome. back, baby. <laughs> well done, well done. Um, so yeah, we have, you know, some conversations that are interesting, but easily skimmable. So we'll talk about them later, I assume, Spencer. Uh, That's pretty cool. (laughs) BJ, what are you wheezing about? Um, we're back in, uh, lack of editing form. Um, (laughs) we do have a quality paragraph sentence with Mm. two semicolons. Ooh. Ooh. Where are we at? Um, this is uh, relatively early on, and uh, I think it's like three to five pages in. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hermione is complaining about their uh, lack of homework uh, for discipline this Saturday. Yes, but she broke off semicolon. The Morning Post was arriving, and comma as usual, comma the Daily Prophet was soaring soaring toward her in the beak of a screech owl, comma which landed perilously close to the sugar bowl and held out a leg, semicolon. Hermione pushed a newt into its leather pouch, comma, took the newspaper, comma, and scanned the front page critically as the owl took off again. Yeah. My favorite is the but she broke off <laughs> first yeah. sentence thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. Um that's that's pretty much most of uh, what I have. This is th- this was not a very wheezy chapter no. for me. Um, I noticed that when I, I was reading it. It's a pretty straightforward chapter as far as these things go. Yeah, I I'm still going with with Percy goes by Weatherby uh, at the ministry, <laughs> and this this letter is fits in so well with that, uh, and is super funny because like. The best thing about it for me is that he has absolutely no idea who Ron is. Like, correct. He he has like he he only deals with people on a very superficial le- level, and like no amount of having spent a decade with Ron basically is going to outweigh the oh he's a prefect he must be on the the straight and narrow now. It's like. <laughs> where where did you get that um so, which is so funny too uh, because he has other brothers who were prefects who are they, they turned out fine they're perfectly normal they still talk to their family they're in the order doing things to help protect the wizarding world and he still has this cognitive dis- dissonance 
though if there was a spectrum between Percy and Fred and George, I would say they are closer to Percy just because of how far over Fred and George are. Wait, what? Well, sure. Mm, I. They're they're productive members of society. Let's start there. It is Charlie. Yeah, he's Indiana Jones, but he still he still he still has an official job and does well at it. He's in Indiana Jones that that uh, is essentially taking on a, a grad student that that he's particularly interested in. We're we're gonna ignore that part. This was written in the nineties. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, if that's what you mean by a productive part of society, then I mean I'm willing to accept that as as your definition. He's ment- he's mentoring her no, in the way. No, 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 no. Still not coming from a mile away. No. Do you have anything else for Wizard Wazes? <laughs> Spencer would like to move this along. <laughs> Mentoring is... St- stop it. No. Um, no, I, I think we can leave it there. I mean, they're, they're really... I think that there... It feels like there's going to be a lot more coming uh, mm-hmm. with the introduction of a lot more in the way of uh, newspaper article reading and other things along uh, with that. Um, but... Yeah, I can uh, the, say, uh, and I think this is interesting, but, like, the media plays a huge role in the books from here on out, which I, I love. I think it's I think it's great. Um, the last I thing that I... Sorry, Spencer, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I very much love stories of when we get different opinions from different perspectives outlined and other characters commenting on them. It mm-hmm. just so wonderfully adds to the world building of a complete universe. Um, Harry's lack of curiosity is fascinating to me because like i don't know it, it sort of typified a, at least a little bit of like early books harry where it's just like something weird's going on i'm gonna figure out a way to like go look at it and now it's like well i had a vague interaction with my crush and i'm just going to ignore everything that i'm doing and that's how i'm gonna live my life now um <laughs> All of it, all of fifteen. It actually represents pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I sure. Didn't, I didn't make a whole lot of like progress on my big world goals when I was fifteen. <laughs> I had other things going on. Um. So. So yeah. I mean, it. It, it is a an entertaining chapter, and I'm sort of curious to see if if uh, Harry had a conversation with Cho Chang. Is he he won the chapter? Um, <laughs> But probably, before yes. that, we're going to talk I, about that. I will, I will yeah, probably. <laughs> um, we should wander into newbie's notes, which I might uh, pepper. Well, uh, we, BJ, we have to start with a point that we discussed at the end of the last episode about who Harry would write to inform him about his scar. Yeah. And you thought Molly Weasley would be a good person to mention because, you know, she's in the order, there's security, she'd be disciplined with the message. Are we either A, surprised, or B, disappointed that Sirius was the first person he defaulted towards? No. On both counts? I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say disappointed when it's very unsurprising and at least he's telling an adult. like. Yeah, it's kind of sad. This is progress from a certain point of view. It's possibly the worst person he could have told. Yeah. Um, other than just sending a message to a Death Eater, but... Sure. You know, or fudge. it's an adult. Like. Yeah, God. <laughs> well, even Fudge would be safer because Fudge would just ignore it. Sirius may true. actually act on it. Well, um, yeah, Fudge might have leaked it to the papers. Further evidence that Harry's nuts. Yes. Um, uh, but yeah, Sirius's advice giving, the more he is cooped up, is 
getting worse as we will as we will get to but boy at the end of this we are going to talk about him and referencing james because man there is some stuff going on there um but i will give harry credit that the fact that the letter is actually going to snuffles and in some version of code this is progress this is a guy good yeah it wasn't great, but it certainly wasn't bad. It's a lot better than I expected out of him. So, I will give him credit. <laughs> you shouldn't have sent it to Sirius. You just shouldn't have. But if you're going to send it, this is a, a somewhat better way than I thought it was going to go down. But also, it it sounds like he's writing snuffles on the outside. Which, like, if he can just say, like, take this to Sirius, and that works. Well, he's afraid it's going to be intercepted. Right, but like, why? Why address it? Why? Like, why have anything on it other than like a weird message? But if it was just a weird message, you need to give them a lie that has some possible avenue to explain it. If it's just a, a weird message, they're going to try to look at it more because it doesn't have context. Then writing to a dog. Sure, it's dumb, but it's something. Again, baby steps. Baby steps with 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 with, with the you know, spy crafter. But, but I also like if wonder, it... this is a logistical question, but like, what do you think the logistics are of an owl delivering a letter to the Black House, which is unplottable? That's a fun one I hadn't thought about. Well, the house is unplottable, but I'm going with owls given a directive for a wizard or a person have a, ma- like these magic, these owls have a magical sense of where that person is. So, yeah, but I I wonder about like how how the owl what the owl needs to get into the unplottable space, right? Uh, I mean, we've been over this before. It's a white owl can get into places that that other owls can't into. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you for that, BJ. I'm going to keep moving on. Uh, <laughs> it, n- yeah, that I mean, but like, but I think we know that the. Haven't haven't we had owls to and from the Black House a couple no, of times already? And well, their letters—I guess their letters for Hogwarts got got delivered. But I'm just wondering, like, I'm I'm literally—I literally don't know. I'm just wondering about what the logistics of getting an owl into that space are. I mean, it may be in the same category essentially as that. If you know it's there, you can drop off a letter essentially there mm-hmm. or in that general in the general vicinity. Yeah. So it may just be a pre-established knowledge the same way it is for the order. And also having been there might help. Yeah. That somewhere. might be it. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy the kind of, it's not exactly subtle, but I, I like the implications that Filch and Mrs. Norris are spying on Harry on behalf of the ministry. Uh, that it's, it's not subtle. I mean, he, his cover story is just needs to be workshopped. He needs to discuss that in advance. But I like that there's this kind of network in place and how smoothly it's already going into the established sources at Hogwarts that would be there to enforce it. I wouldn't be super surprised if that's not what it is. Because I my guess is that there is a significant amount of ordering and uh, deliveries and such that are being placed by a certain set of twins um, that Harry could very well be part of. And this is more of a subplot than a main plot thing going on. Like, I I agree with you that this could very well fit in the main plot stuff, but I think that the, the threads... But we do... And to your point, we do have another piece of that plot with 
them giving what's her name something and her continuing to have a bloody nose and they gave her mm-hmm. the wrong Katie I think it was yeah mm-hmm. uh, they gave her the wrong chocolate or, or treat or whatever it is and so instead of actually I don't really know what they were doing because like I, I don't know what the mix up was for <laughs> but anyway they, they have a, a cure-all that they've been working on to, to stop nosebleeds after they happen because they have one that causes nosebleeds. The yeah. nosebleed so, nougat, yeah. Um, so, and I think I think it gets explained, but, like, they... I don't remember if it's... They accidentally gave her the... I think they accidentally gave her the one the that causes the bleeding. Right, that's what they said. The, yeah. They didn't say that they had another one. They just said, whoops, we gave her the one that makes it worse. So, yeah. sorry about that. Well, it, I think it's... I mean, Phil, if... Filch could just simply go through everybody's letters and packages before. Filch would be really happy to do so. Filch would work nights in a heartbeat if he could do that shit. The fact that he isn't and it's pointedly hairy tells me that it is beyond just simply his normal normal monitoring of contraband. They rightfully, I mean, hell, rightfully they should be monitoring Harry's letters from their perspective. The man they know is connected to everybody they want to break up and stop. Uh, and, mm-hmm. I don't think Filch has this authority. Um, I think he may start be starting to. I think he may. I think he may try to kind of like a let us search your vehicle uh, kind of thing. Uh, but it. I don't know. This 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 felt more like that. Like I know contraband has been getting into Hogwarts, and it's got to sure. be you because I hate you. Maybe does, but, does Filch yeah. particularly hate Harry? Not really. really. He hates everyone. I mean, he hates everyone, but I thought that there was some, like, the particular hatred for Harry and probably Ron and Hermione after Mrs. Norris got petrified that one time and he found Harry. Like, there have been a lot I mean, of, like... there was that moment, yeah, but once that became clear, I don't think, like, he he hates Peeves. He hates mm-hmm. Fred and George. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he... he he might have a little bit of an elevated hatred for Harry, but I don't. It's not like he hates him particularly. I don't. I don't. Is not my impression. Um, but I will uh, say that this this question that you're discussing about why is Filch doing this in this moment? This is an answered question. I think it's something they want us to be pondering right mm-hmm. now because it's perfectly possible this is Filch just being a more aggressive Filch. It's also possible this is bleeding into other things we've been saying. It's a data point to return to because even Harry in the moment goes, "Hey, you're the cat's monitoring me. That's kind of weird." Filch is sprinting up here to stop me. What? You could just intercept the package when it comes back. What? What's going on here? Yeah, it, it, this doesn't make sense even in story. It's happening quite this way, or at least this aggressive way. What is fun is just the number of secondary characters that previously have gotten very little characterization, but now have names and identities in this book. That are lining up to support Harry. Cho Chang aggressively, angrily confronting Filch on this? It's fun. I like it. It's characterization out of her that she's not only supporting him, she's directly, angrily telling Filch off. That's great. I have a concept of her as a character. I did not previously, other than she's pretty and Harry likes her. I also like that she is taking Harry's side, but for, like, particular reasons of her own, Right. Um, that are not the sort of like, well, we believe Harry that we've seen from um, some of those other secondary characters that we've that we've had cropping up. She has a very particular connection to her, her personal connection. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, there's to that what, too, which probably helps. To what is being told, um, 
and she's pissed about the lies because of Cedric. Yeah, very much so. That's a great point, too, about each of them having their own unique reasons for getting involved. I hope we see more of that with respect to the other people that force support. I'm expecting we will with Luna at some point, and that's going to be just the thing. That's going to be great. All kinds of her own things going on. <laughs> uh, I am also just utterly in the same mindset of Harry of just how completely over the moon smug he is with himself that he had an entire conversation with a girl without embarrassing himself. Mm. It's like, he did. And he'll think about that a day from now when it will haunt his dreams for years to come. But that mindset, I don't know if I've fully abandoned it yet. It's there and it's a thing. Uh, it's really interesting that he keeps that conversation from his friends. That was a really interesting end, end, exit to it of where he doesn't necessarily have a reason to other than that they've kind of embarrassed him, embarrassed him with her in the past. But... It was a little bit odd that he, the next moment, a few minutes later, he goes to talk to his friends. He's like, hey, you're late. What happened? It's like, uh, uh, Quidditch thing. Sorry. Like, that is interesting that he's keeping this aspect to himself, which clearly is important to them, completely separate from them. That is in keeping with 15-year-old kind of behaviors and actions, but it's a further growing into that kind of compartmentalization we haven't seen before. Because uh, they would I... talk about it. And that that would be worse than anything. They they would talk about it. He'd start to have a conversation, and her, and Ron would immediately go, "Oh, her! I need to talk to her about the tornadoes again. Just it, she needs to understand. Just that needs to be said." Or God, uh, God forbid, try to help him. Uh, <laughs> nothing good could come from that at all. Mm-hmm. Both of them. No, they'd come what? at it in different ways, and they would both be trash. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is an odd thing to say because he's kind of a failure knight in some ways, but Harry is the guy that can pull this off better than either of his friends. Harry Correct. actually has the skills necessary to do this. Never thought I would say that sentence about any topic. Uh, but BJ, I was kind of surprised you didn't mention the idea of the self-fertilizing shrubs. That just seemed to be like that would be something that would amuse you, given that it's effectively a bush that can go fuck itself. But, you know. <laughs> that, they, that, shits it's, that shits itself to grow. Yeah, that's that too. It's a lot of things going on I, there. I think that's what it means by self-fertilizing, not... It literally could be either. It's it could ambiguous. Be. Have fun with that. Um, this is just something I found interesting because it's it was an interesting description for a character, but with Angelina Johnson, I think that's the name mm-hmm. of that character, mm-hmm. um, the when the Slytherins were making fun of them in the audience, which on that point, it really feels like being a bully in this universe is just so much work. You've got to spend your <laughs> off days just berating people. It's like, they're practicing and you're showing up in the stands just to say Gryffindor sucks. Is there nothing better you can do with your time, really? I mean, it's it's oh. so, like, it's really funny. And, and like, I, I did want to talk about it a little bit more than that, that just sort of brief aside that, like, they have nothing better to do. No, like, they, they do not. It's, it's so Which playground. is fascinating. It, it, we, we've talked about this in some prior books, but the emotional maturity of the Slytherin bullies stopped at, like, age six. It is just so playground teasing. And it's just like, guys, you clearly have homework. You have other stuff to do with your lives. Is this really your idea of a fun Saturday night? This mm-hmm. this is it? I feel bad for you. It's like with things, if I was there on the pitch, I would just be last, laughing my ass off. That like... They felt the need to come here and do a Gryffindor sucks chant. I'm sorry for them in their days. I mean, we have some evidence that maybe this isn't true, but like this has Draco has a crush on Harry vibes. <laughs> it does. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it does. A, it, it, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, a great aside. But it was interesting to see uh, what, what's the name of the main Slytherin girl. I always like. Oh, her. Pansy Parkinson. Thank you. Taunts Angela Johnson with, "Why do you keep your hair like that? It looks like worms coming out of your head." Mm-hmm. Which was a fun, subtle way of saying that she either has very tight braids or, more likely, dreadlocks. Yeah, I think I think the description that follows is actually that Angelina flips her braids, um, mm. but it is like very clearly an indication that she is black, right? Which we get rarely. Is I, she in the movie? Mm-hmm. It, it, it was it was interesting because I was like I hadn't never we hadn't really had, I think had a concept of the character and that was a fun kind of subtle way of getting it in. It's like okay, I have a little bit of world building here. Yeah, oh, yeah, and Hermione, <laughs> bushy hair maybe. Um, oh, this is going into essentially Harry Potter kayfabe. Oh, sorry. About that. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'm expecting next chapter maybe whether Fred and George will have any process of acceptance of fault or guilt when it comes to the fact that they damn near killed one of their teammates. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they have the emotional range to do that. I hope they do though, because it feels like this is kind of like a moment of realization of where, oh, we all just thought this was fun and games until somebody dies, kind of thing. It seemed like even in the moment, they were kind of like, just even beyond just simply like, oh God, we can get punished for this. They actually were acting like they felt bad. And that'll be fun to run with because dear God, do these guys need to grow up and this could be a moment for that to happen. Sad to say it nearly took the person losing five pints of their volume for the sake of that occurring, but some people need a sledgehammer. I mean, also, it's so hard in this universe to understand what is... A physical Wrinkle. problem, and what isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Other than a spell that just straight up kills you, the things that are lethal or not in here is fuzzy. I mean, some chocolate and they'll be fine, probably. Just not the wrong chocolate, again. Uh, yes. Uh, her, is it just me or Hermione have just such mom vibes this entire chapter? I mean, she's been she, building mom vibes for a while. but yeah. She does. It's it's heavy here. It's It's real heavy. Is it mom vibes or is it grandma vibes? Because like it's a little, it's a little bit more grandma vibes. It feels like because there's there's less of there's some of the reprimand, but the reprimand is also like all right, maybe you almost learned your lesson and that's good enough, which feels much more like a grandmother vibe than a mom vibe. I think that it feels mom vibes to me because like grandmothers are generally not concerned about your homework. Like, I think the very actual fact of what they're worried about feels mom vibes. I agree that some of the kind of, like, reactions are are a little off for mom vibes. But, like, Molly Weasley yeah. would not have let it go like this. It's my fun moments growing up, and I do legitimately mean fun, was having my Hispanic grandmother visit us and just want to sit down with me and go through all my Spanish homework. That, that's how she wanted to spend each afternoon, and she had a blast <laughs> doing it. And it's fun memories had. But I very much agree that particularly two moments for me were very much mom vibes of where uh, I think the line was her frostiness seemed to melt of when she starts to browbeat them over the subject of you didn't do your homework and then sees that they're in a crappy mood after Quidditch mm-hmm. and immediately goes to concerned. That felt kind of mom vibes of where, oh, sweetie, come here. Uh, followed up by him, her then just grading their homework and going through it and telling them what to do or whatever else. On that point, I loved Jovian movements growing up, and I think I would have a blast in this course. Could I just <laughs> briefly audit this? I would adore it. Okay, we've really, we've really found Spencer's class now. Here it is. 
And and it also feels a little bit funny that it was just like let's just do the top four because I don't feel like actually doing any more research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which fair, but also mm, a little mm. disappointing. Um, we we haven't seen evidence that their technology goes anywhere farther than Galileo. These are the only ones they can see. Sure. Um, <laughs> the the other thing that I thought was really interesting was that. It was clear that Hermione appreciated that they they did their homework. They did their homework mm-hmm. on their own. And honestly, they probably both would have passed without her. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't have been great, but they would have passed. Yeah, I see, C's get degrees. Yeah. Uh, if anyone is a, in the C's get degrees club, it is Harry and particularly Ron. Yes. Yeah. C plus, C minus. Yes, correct. But yeah, I think that's a good point, too. She pointedly did not cheat for them. She pointedly did not give them the answers. She wanted them to do the work first, and then she would come in and help them. Yes. And that's the better way to do it, anyway. And they also came to the realization that maybe they should do some homework during their week, which is not going to last beyond the end of this chapter. Oh, give me hope, sir. Come on. I refuse to let you hang yourself with your optimism. They will they will think about how it would be better to do some of their homework during the week. Whether or not that actually happens, we'll have to see. Profound sigh. Uh, let's add to the profound sigh by going on to Percy's Oh my letter. god. I mean, this... BJ, you talked about the idea of he doesn't understand his brother. This was so towing the ministry byline i almost assumed midway through it that it was in code and i just didn't get it it's like this guy knows how to write a letter that hides his actual motivations because it is just so perfect for what they'd be looking for it's like no no this guy lives breathes sleeps in delights in ministry propaganda and that's all he has left the other thing that i want to mention is that this is some really good writing in a way that we haven't had before from Rowling. Because, like, mm-hmm. this was very clearly in somebody else's voice. And, yes, like, I feel good like call. you could have even gotten it, like, not having known who the letter was from. Like, mm-hmm. this is a... Skip, skip the Whether he wrote the this letter, it's, it, like, um, in terms of, like, the cadence, what he says, how he says it, it... it I think this really bumped up this chapter in terms mm-hmm. of like what what is in it and uh, like opening up what's going on a little bit more in a very interesting way. Mm-hmm. That is a delightful call, BJ. You could have taken a random yeah. paragraph out of the middle of this and asked, who do you think wrote this? I probably could have guessed just because mm-hmm. of how much it is speaking from his voice and his perspective. And it's really interesting just to see the effect of just the very closed off world that he's in is that it's not like he's getting all this information from third parties. He was there for some of this. Yes. He was at the trial. And he still refers to it, Harry got off on a technicality. It's like, dude, we were all there too. We all saw that just as much as whatever else. He's not wrong. lack of support. No, 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 he's wrong. He's not wrong. This is not in any way a technicality. There was a witness that testified in his favor... And there was no other witness basically to rival her point or dispute her perspective. Right, but but that the t- that's the t- just evidence. It, but it he doesn't have he's not allowed to do magic. It's not he's not allowed to do magic. Well, except in certain cases. Nope, it no, actually no, no. is. That's it actually is? what the law is. That's what he got off on. Is that oh, okay. if your life is in danger, 
or the you defense are, of others. Yes, or in the defense of others, you are allowed to do magic. Like that was the thing. Gotcha. Okay. So, so the fact that he's calling that a technicality is scary, and it really does reflect how much even his own perspective on things has been twisted to f- fit either his environment or what he needs to do to fit his environment. Throw in the idea of uh, you know just cast constantly casting aspersions on Dumbledore. We didn't see much of. Per- Remind me of this. Did we really ever see Percy talk about Dumbledore before he went to work in the ministry? I mean, he he was a prefect. He did that, but he never really obviously tried to undermine Dumbledore's authority that I remember. No, and in fact, I think that... I think the only time we see them interact, I I think I'm remembering this correctly, is in book three, where he's head boy, and they are... Everybody is sleeping in the Great Hall because Sirius Black came mm-hmm. into was trying to get into Gryffindor common room mm-hmm. and they did, couldn't find him and Dumbledore told him or Percy had some report and they had some sort of interaction where like Percy was in his element he was perfectly happy to be doing whatever he was told to be doing there was mm-hmm. no there was no hint of this at that point yeah I, th- I think I remember that moment pointedly because that's when Dumbledore uses the spell that just makes sleeping bags for everybody which yes. is one of the most just casual most powerful magical moments in the entire series of just Pur- instant purple squashy sleeping bags yes <laughs> I forgot they were purple squashy that is so of Dumbledore of course they are uh, but yeah I mean that that was a moment of when they were working directly together and we saw no indication that Percy was actively questioning his authority or anything else here we've gone to the point of when you can almost detect an that he's gleeful at the idea that Dumbledore's about to lose his authority, lose his mantle. Um, and the fact that he calls Umbridge a great woman, or my favorite, my favorite moment at the end, is his effort to appear gracious that, you know, when mom and dad come around, I will, of course, be ready to accept their full apology. Yeah, so exactly that. It's just such a just, oh, you poor deluded bastard. This is how far you've gone down the rabbit hole that... This is your idea of being gracious that you will, of course, consider their apology when they're ready to offer it. He's just a such an ass. I, I mean, Ron calling him a git ain't, yes. ain't the half of it. Yes. It ain't even the half of it. Um, one other line I like just from Spins of World Building, the books have already been going in this direction. They just kind of want to say it out loud so we know it. Is serious of all people saying, yes, but the world isn't split between good people and Death Eaters. I... I had clocked that when we were reading it because it it's in line with so many of the conversations that we've been having um, last book and this book mm-hmm. particularly. And I hadn't really thought of it in the way of using Umbridge as a means to do that, but she's a really a perfect example of where she's a complete third party compared to that divide. It, that, 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 that is separate and apart from her. She is her own brand of evil and corruption and all other issues associated with it. But factors outside the idea of, you know, Gondor versus Sauron kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's... Mm-hmm. This... Mm, I probably shouldn't talk about... Like, there's spoiler stuff around this that, that I feel like it, you're you're getting... you're We're getting very adjacent to, but I don't know how much of a spoiler it is in terms of, like, what Umbridge's evil is like. I mean, it's a fun discussion point of where, let's say Umbridge does directly confront Death Eaters, going through all of her denial. I can't picture, well, (laughs) she does have overlapping values. We will note the racism. The racism does factor in. 
Though the racism is delightfully inconsistent when it comes to the damn Death Eaters in the sense that they are perfectly willing to use non-humans to their benefit based on the Ministry's racism. So, yeah. mm-hmm. complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I can't. I still can't picture that she would like just suddenly you know, start waving their flag around. I think in some ways she would loyally fight for the Ministry against them if it ever came to that. It's just they're going to bury their heads in the sand until well beyond that point is ever reached anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I, so... I'll just say it rather than like hinting at it. Like, they t- people talk about Dolores Umbridge as being evil that is common in the world. Mm-hmm. That that it's not it's not like fanaticism evil. It is run of the mill evil. Yes. Um, and yeah, that kind of banal evil that yeah that that you see in capricious administrators and in you know other like low-level managers that just happen oh, to sure. have a bit of power, like, all of those things. Per- per- Percy's setting himself up to, be, to work on the banality of evil. Percy and Eichmann are starting to have comparisons, and I didn't think I'd be making that sentence anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Umbridge and... is much farther along on that chart, but she's still in the category. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, another... I mean, just building off that... I love that it was spelled out why Fudge is doing what he's doing with respect to Umbridge and restricting the student's education. Mm-hmm. And it is so utterly delightfully paranoid. It's in keeping with what I would expect out of Fudge. I just didn't think he'd be going that far with his thoughts as to go that, oh no, I'm not just afraid of Dumbledore using official channels to usurp my position. I'm afraid the man's building an army to launch a coup. And yep. that's what I, I need to head this off now. Kids can't get trained in any combat tactics and Dumbledore's got to be arrested on trumped up charges tomorrow. I knew he was heading in that direction, but it's delightful, serious to just casually lay it out as that, oh no, this guy's already ready to fight a war. It's just not the war we need him to fight. Yes, he is He is fighting his own personal war. Um, and the, I don't, the, the Fudge-Dumbledore interactions and, and that whole vibe is so interesting to me. I just love that kind of, that wrinkle in this whole narrative. It almost suggests, again, a sentence I never thought I would say, Fudge is actually really good at certain things. This is a battle that Fudge can beat Dumbledore at. Dumbledore's been caught completely flat-footed and without support here. Fudge knows this and is going in for the kill. I mean, this is the category of fight that Fudge is built for. It's just, this is a kind of peacetime battle that, you know, he views as everything you'll ever have to fight for. It just further demonstrates what a skilled politician he is and how inept he is at everything else. It's like he read a bunch of Sun Tzu and got the attack your enemies where they don't expect you and before the, <laughs> they, they know like there's a war going on because Dumbledore is probably like, what is this? What? No, this is insanety. Yeah. But he, he, he's the advantage. I guess I lost. He, it's like the, this is one of the things of where an idiot has some advantages because you just never think they're going to do something that dumb. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because Dumbledore knew that this valence was there, right? We got mm-hmm. we've gotten it a couple of different times throughout the books. Um, it's been pushed before and pushed before. But what's interesting to me is that Dumbledore knew that this was a thing, but clearly did not like clearly. I think underestimated the the extent to which fudge is paranoid and mm-hmm. willing to devote his energy resources and political power to pushing this above all else and i think that there is to spencer what you were saying earlier like dumbledore in in no 
universe would have been like, I'm going to train like these barely high schoolers to be a wizard army and take over the ministry of magic by force. And so, and anytime there's any political like back and forth between him and the ministry, he's just like, I, I don't care. Like I, I, I like Hogwarts. I do my stuff at Hogwarts Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. how much is it for the next title that I can add to my length of weird things that has nothing to do with the ministry? Cause that would be great. But like, this is fun for me. Yeah. But like (laughs) that, that sounds terrible. Like you should do that. This is, that's your thing. But he didn't think about, well, I am technically training a lot of wizards in offensive magic. That's clearly an army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Because that course with Lupin of where it's confronting the what what what's the thing that makes Bogart. you Bogart? And yeah. It's, you know, you turn it into something funny. That is straight up military tactics right there. This is <laughs> this is a new elite paratroop division, right? Okay. There. To be it? fair, I think Fudge would be p- particularly susceptible to a ridiculous charm. X, whatever. <laughs> a politician in particular, who made it look ridiculous? Good God. Um, well, I mean, final scene. Uh, Sirius, James, Harry. Yeah. How, how much is this proving exactly what Molly was talking about in terms of, Sirius, you've got attachment issues in terms of you are trying to rebuild a relationship that you lost through the means of this guy's son. You need to get over that, and you need to not say things to Harry that, from his perspective, are among the meanest things you could ever tell him. Because Harry is starting to get a more complete and complex view of his dad. He's refused to accept some of the more negative aspects of it, and clearly idolizes him. So to be told that in some way he's not following his dad's path and going in a different route, that cuts deep. Mm-hmm. That cuts deep in a way that Harry doesn't have the emotional maturity or knowledge yet to process. Especially when he knows that he's right. Harry knows yeah. that he's right, but mm-hmm. struggling with this, with this emotional manipulation that Sirius is doing, when he wants, he he just wants Sirius to love him, and be his buddy, and he does idolize his dad. It's it's just rough. Do you, do you yeah. guys remember those points growing up of when you realize that adults can act even more like kids than kids can? Mm-hmm. That adults can be remarkably immature. This is Harry having that moment with Sirius, where he loves Sirius. Sirius is in his camp. Sirius is his uncle in a way that he will... Well, um, he's not actually related to him, right? He's just... No, know. he's his, just his... I mean, he's his godfather, but... Yeah. 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 Uh, but they rightfully have a close relationship that Harry desperately needs. Harry is starting over the course of this book to accept that Sirius stopped maturing at teens when he was thrown into prison. And Harry is in some ways getting more mature than Sirius is in terms of how he carries himself and what risks he's willing to take. That's a heck of a thing to learn, particularly about somebody you care about in a family member. And Harry got to have it shoved right in his face at the end of this chapter. Yeah. I mean, and we're also sort of seeing the outcomes of trauma of war. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, Sirius was was locked up for a long time when he was in his early 20s. Yeah. And... And, like, stopped maturing at that point. And also... Anything regressed. Yeah. You know... I mean, we talked a, a quite a bit about, like, the psychological trauma of Azkaban, but, like, it's it's kind of twisted the the series that went in. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the series that went in was probably not healthy to begin with. Um, yeah. So the other thing that I think is interesting, and I wonder, I wonder if this is intentional or not, where 
it feels like Harry being friends with Ron and Hermione is him going a different direction because if he had been friends with Fred and George, he essentially would have been much more a clone of his father. And hmm. it's their yeah. being very different people because it feels like the the whole Marauders map stuff and and you know that they became uh, were wizards and everything else feels a little bit more like stuff that Fred and George would have gotten into if they had a little bit more maybe magical prowess, but the same kind of like pranks and rule breaking that being friends with Ron and Hermione just like pulled Harry away from that. Mm-hmm. Do, do we have a concept? We don't at present. We don't know a thing. But will we ever get a concept of Harry... What's Harry Potter's mom's name again? Uh, Lily. Well, do we ever get a concept of Lily's character? Like who she would most closely mirror among our current cast of characters? Yeah, we get more information about her. Um, we, 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 we've, gotten, we've gotten some... <laughs> what? Okay. I mean, we, 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 I feel like we've got a fair amount of knowledge we built up around James because we've gotten to meet uh, James's friends. We've gotten to hear descriptions of him. We've got to hear about past events. We've gotten to see, you know, artifacts he's created. We really haven't gotten that with Lily yet, it doesn't seem. Like, we, we've gotten her... Well, no, that's not fair. We got her sister. We've, we've, gotten, yes. we've, we've gotten that. But that, even that mostly just get, was a lens into the aunt's resentment rather than actually Lily herself. Mm-hmm. Okay. At some point, I'll be curious to see because that... that as, yeah. you noted, as you noted, BJ, James is James because of the people he ran with. It'd be curious to see what effect Lily had on that, given that he seemed like he sobered up to a certain degree later in the brief time that they had together, honestly. Yeah, well, we we do get more on that. Okay, I'll be curious to see it. Uh, now that we've that finished up kind of newbie's notes, uh, does Harry win this chapter based on the fact he's 15 and had a good conversation with a girl he likes? It did happen early chapter. Yeah, and he didn't it's have tough. a great. Uh, he ends on a really sour note with Sirius. Um, he really does. I I want to put forward. We don't physically see him in this chapter, but his presence looms large. Can Percy win this chapter? <laughs> he certainly thinks he is. He certainly thinks he's winning this chapter. I mean, he is gleeful, and he's got no one to second guess him here. I mean, like. What's the worst thing? Oh, yeah, that he happened? is only in his own echo chamber at this point. Like, in the course of this chapter, he is only in his own head. I, I, as I far as we from, know. I, I think, even from his perspective, if Ron sends him back an angry letter, that would even make him more smug. It's like, oh, I tried, but he's already been lost. Oh, it's such a shame. My family's gone to sit down such a dark path. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like Ron had an upward trajectory. In this chapter, you had a low point in the middle. He had so Hermione coming back around and them having good homework to turn in, I think shows an improvement. I don't know that Ron would say he had a good chapter, but he had a good chapter in terms of many things that'll be good for Ron. That is that is true, but I do I I think that Ron's emotional reaction to the Quidditch yes. practice. And Percy's letter, although that might have actually like his react his his bad reaction might have made it his overall situation better. Yeah, which is a little complicated. I I think that he was like Hit personally in the moment. Yeah, laid yeah. particularly low by both of those things. So it that's a he's a tricky case in this chapter. 
Yeah. Um, I also want to say that Hermione had a pretty good chapter for she Hermione did. standards. She did. Uh, she got two damn near truants to sit down for like a day and do homework. The 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 uh, the thing that that is as close to godliness as you can get in her book. <laughs> she yep. she has proselytized and and had a few at least uh, on the face of it converts. Correct. It, 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 it was still a world where she had to correct an essay that said Europa was covered in mice rather than ice. Hold up. But she does. Does like that make it better things. or worse? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Fair. And and the house elves are apparently picking up her hats. Yeah, I'm waiting for that one to. I'm waiting for that shoe to drop or hat to drop. We'll say I can't picture she's winning here. But this is yeah. I don't know. I think though. I think Percy and Hermione are two strong candidates for winning this chapter. Um, I'm I'm fine with those. I think those work out well. I can do maybe a Percy one without actually technically being in the chapter Hermione won as the person in the chapter mm-hmm. um, losers we have some options Harry ended on a sour note but he did he did his homework <laughs> okay Hermione sure. and, <laughs> yes and he did have um, a good interaction with Cho so I don't think I think that he's sort of got a neutral chapter Mm-hmm. The way it all and, sort of and Hedwig out. was in the chapter, so he he correct, and he was right. not actively mean to her, which was good for him. Unique, um, yes. Yep. He also heard that Hagrid still in this alive. Book, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true, and that's that's good information. I want to put forward, um, I want to put forward Sirius as loser of this chapter. I yeah. I, uh, I, I, he was pretty manic in this conversation. It was not great. I mean, he was bad enough that he was lashing out about lashing out at the people that care about him. And I think that this that very brief conversation that they had and the way that it went for him is a very clear indication of how shitty his life is right now mm-hmm. um, at Grimmauld Place. Like, it's not if he's in this headspace, it's not good. Um, I hadn't really thought about it, but for a guy that spent the last, how long was he actually in Azkaban? 10 years? Uh, ten, 11 years, maybe? 12, 10 years no, locked. 12 years, I think, yeah. So, serious, we're glad you're back. Sorry you got locked up in a cell for 11 years. Please stay under house arrest until further notice. Don't leave. Just yeah. stay in this house. I and we're not going to address... better when he was on the run, where at yeah. least he had his freedom, right? Yeah, and we're not going to address anything about no. Azkaban. Like, no, like no one's talking about it. There, There's no, like... Let's sit down over tea and have some like gooey buns and process. No, and no one in the order is is giving him a a real thing to do now. I mean, I know that he's limited, but he's clearly he needs something. Yeah, he needs to be tangibly useful in a way. Um, yeah. And nobody's giving him a path forward for that. I mean, why he's in the UK at all is. <laughs> Kind and of baffling. He, he wasn't for a while, right? Because when he so was on the run, somewhere, yeah, because he was sending back these exotic birds instead of owls. I, yeah. I assume that he actually was, as in Harry's imaginings, on a beach somewhere because he could yeah. be. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I feel like he could go with Charlie, and Charlie could just have a dog that helps him out on his dragon research or whatever he's doing, and it's just yeah. like. This yes. would be more useful for everybody involved, and 
you have somebody that has a very direct connection to Harry that Harry could be sending letters to reasonably. Yeah. Maybe. If we're, if, we're doing, if we're doing a different kind of world traveler, he can instead be Tintin. Didn't Tintin have that little Scotty dog? Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, 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 can, he, can, he can still make this work even if he isn't Indiana Jones anymore. Yes. So, so I, anyway, I, I, yeah, I feel real bad you. for Sirius here. Um, it's not a great situation. It's not been a great book. His happiest moment was when they let the dog out. Yeah. That, that was the highlight of the, of the entire book for him. When who let the dog out, Spencer? My, Oh, oh. Um, let's go on to questions. Yeah. Uh, Sturgis Podmore. Mm-hmm. What should I know, think, believe about this character other than he is a member of the order that got arrested? Is there, is there any other data points that I should keep track of when it comes to this guy? I think we've seen him in the background a, a couple of times, but we... He might have been down at dinner. I think he was at dinner once, maybe. I think we had him mentioned in an earlier book i think he was kind of one of those back those kind of background characters that keeps coming up again and again but we don't know much about him he's kind of just a generic member of the order who was supposed to be um on guard duty on guard duty and was instead getting arrested so his role was to be a casualty of war he's a Mm -hmm. he's a role he's he's the one to say that they're actively moving against us kind of thing yeah i mean and this is sort of a reiteration of what we had um, earlier in this book, where, um, or was it last book? I don't even remember now. Uh, where mm-hmm. What's-His-Name was supposed to be watching Harry, but he was off, like, making shady oh. deals. It was It was at the beginning of this book, yeah. It yeah. was Monungus Fletcher. Yeah, um, the Discount Cauldrons or whatever it was. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, and so I think, like, we are building into, like, who's doing what, like what what's happening around Harry's circle, mm-hmm. um, and this feels like a thing that you know bad news comes comes in threes. I feel like we're gonna get like a third one towards the end of the book, so we can mm-hmm. round it out. Um, well, I mean they've already set up Dumbledore is going to be a casualty of war here shortly. We just don't know how much. Percy's letter kind of just said, "What was it? Tuesday? Tuesday? Oh, there's gonna be a great news article on Tuesday." Yeah, yeah. Y'all take the paper. Just you know. <laughs> Um, what? what's going on with the Wicked Sisters? Is that a thing that they, that I don't think it comes up again. This is like the second or third time that they've been. <sighs> yeah, just background noise. What was it? It was the bassist that got married or something. I think so. Do, do yeah, we have reason to like gossip rag? I don't know. Yeah. Do Do we have reason to believe that J.K. Rowling is a big fan of Twisted Sister? Well, we have no reason. To disbelieve that. <laughs> Headcanon. Sold. Perfect. Uh, she, she just feels like a, a headbanger, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> do, do we have a clear concept of how communicative um, familiars are? Because this was an interesting scene of where we have Harry going up to Hedwig and saying, Now I know it says this, but ignore that and take it here. And Hedwig mm-hmm. just kind of goes, uh-huh, and goes. That's a level of interaction I'm not even sure we've had yet in terms of, oh, this is a fully lucid, capable creature. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I think the only thing we've really had close to it is when when Sirius was on the run, Harry essentially saying, find him, right? Uh-huh. Um, he didn't have a location to send him to, uh, to send her to. Um, I don't know. I, it's... 
I don't know. It's interesting because it seems like we get varying levels of it, right? Because I think that we also get... I think Crookshanks, too. Crookshanks. Crookshanks seems to have... Crookshanks does whatever Crookshanks wants. It doesn't seem to be somebody has a conversation with Crookshanks and Crookshanks goes, yep, I get it, and then goes... Like, well, the Crookshanks is a cat. Yes, BJ, you have accurately described cats. <laughs> sure. No, but, but I do, Crookshanks seems to have this, like, does have this whole world going on that is beyond, like, normal cat. We, we could do an Adventures of Crookshanks not, side story that would be it's entirely its own adventures and it'd be great. It would be, it would have been Crookshanks and Sirius, Crookshanks and Snuffles. Mm-hmm. And it could have been a whole sort of Dunkin' Egg kind of thing, and it would have been it would have been great. Still could be, still could be. She's Do we time. know how old Crookshanks is? Timeless. No, no, but it, it he was a full grown cat when right. Hermione got him, and he had been at the head store for a while. Yeah, or the, but yeah, well, um, we're gonna. We're going to find out, like, book seven, that Crookshanks is actually one of the original founders of Hogwarts that's just been existing in a semi-immortal cat state for, you know, centuries. It's going to be great. Mm, wouldn't be Godric. Mm, Ravenclaw doesn't fit. So Hufflepuff, I guess, is the only reasonable possibility. She likes food. Crookshanks is a boy cat, right? Mm-hmm. He likes food and be next to a warm fire. Those are Hufflepuff values right there. That's true. T- tummy rubs are involved? Sure. Uh, really, most of the rest of my questions were kind of answered in the moment going through. So, other than just, what does this mean? What is this going to happen? Is Dumbledore going to die? Uh, we'll, we'll save those questions for later. Perfect. Uh, BJ, any final questions from you? Uh, I think I'm good. Okay, well, next time we have, um, chapter 15. Getting there, getting there. The Hogwarts High Inquisitor. Yeah. So... For that some reason, styling. and I don't know why, this kind of feels like Rita Skeeter undercover. Like, just with the... <laughs> like, I know that... There is that, a sort that, of, like, flair to the hat yeah, and things like and that. Yeah, and the quill yeah. is being held rather than not held, but, like, I don't know. That's just sort of the sense that I get uh, from this uh, picture. Well, that's not... It's not her, I can tell you <laughs> Well, it doesn't have the but, iconic glasses, and like there were have to be other things that were yeah, there. But like, but I do. It is. Well, it is interesting that it's. It. It does seem like a very stylish kind of well, reader, Rita Skeeter esque. It, it's a fun mix because you know the hat, the cape, those boots probably cost a fortune, and then the pattern on the clo- on the actual like outfit looks like it's a muumu. <laughs> yeah, you're not with wrong. starfish. I'm, but we'll find out. This person. <laughs> Yes, we will. Um, this has been fun, guys. It has. Uh, these discussions are getting more and more fascinating by the week as we have a lot more to talk about with a much more complex book. Uh, so I don't know if we've met the Hogwarts High Inquisitor, but I will be excited to discuss this person with y'all. At least it's unexpected. Okay. <laughs>